It's time for the bully as we catch up with a fine New Zealand media mind and wade our way through a number of topics. Although we're going to we're going to compact our topics uh, to a theme, a French theme, because we're going to France now. Yes, he's touched down. He's on the ground. He's adding his two cents and some quality content for News Hub. It's our good friend, Mr. Andrew Gordy. How's France, mate? <laughs> You're certainly coughing some food. Oh, Dan, France is magnificent. Paris is magnificent, um, mainly because I'm just getting. Well, all the, all the love and support from Olivier Ritchie, uh, our rugby reporter. You'd probably know him as Ollie, but Olivier Ritchie, he has been here for so long, Dan, that he's just become immersed in French culture. He's he's speaking French constantly. He's currently smashing a salmon tartare. Uh, I've ordered, ordered the foie gras. Um, and as he just said to me, red wine just doesn't hit the same unless it's from the Bordeaux region. So, um, yeah, he's fully immersed in French culture, Dan. And uh, now we're loving it. We're loving our start to life here in Paris. I'm not sure how long we'll be here, Dan, but we'll enjoy it while we're here. Uh, how's how's um, his Crusaders propaganda in French sounding? Slightly more palatable? <laughs> Mate, I, I don't know about his, his Crusaders propaganda. I don't know but if you know, but Ollie in a former life was a halfback. I'm actually wondering if, in light of Antoine Dupont's injury, whether Ollie's actually planning to gain French nationality and actually try and... You know, make a make a late play to be the French halfback at this World Cup. Uh, the way things are going, but no, look, you, you and I both know that Ollie's a, a, a tried and true, died in the wall, red and black man. So um, no, he's he's trying to spread the Crusaders' gospel far, as far and wide as he possibly can. Well, the gospel of Antoine Dupont rings very loud around that country. I'm, I'm not sure how long you've actually been on the ground, or if your brain's functioning post, you know, such a long trip, and Mr. Gordy, but. They love that guy over there. So is it panic stations? Is it oh, p- pure joy and relief that he might play? Paint that picture. Look, Dan, I've been on the ground less than 48 hours. We're coming up 48 hours. Um, I've got to say that there has been a massive boost, a massive boost to the vibe of the, the nation here and for rugby fans here in Paris uh, that Antoine Dupont is returning. I've got to say, though, Dan, I'm in utter disbelief about this. I mean, it's less than three weeks since the guy suffered a, a broken cheekbone and had a plate inserted. Now, I don't know, perhaps to us mere mortals, it seems utterly incomprehensible uh, that he would return to play a quarterfinal of a Rugby World Cup against not just any team, but the most physical team possible uh, in the Springboks. So, look, I suppose it remains to be seen whether whether he will play a part in this quarterfinal and, and if he does, what sort of role he will play. Will he wear any kind of face mask? I don't know, but he is a superhero, isn't he? He is a superhero yeah. for this French team. And, and if he doesn't play, it's hard to see how they would have a chance, I suppose, uh, of knocking off the Springboks team because it would just dent the spirit, I think, of this this French team so much so that, yeah, perhaps getting over the over the line in a quarterfinal against, Springboks, uh, against the Springboks might be a step too far, but... We'll see how it, how it unfolds over the next uh, coming days. I find this a fascinating story and a bit of a vexed issue, Andrew, in the sense in this age of player welfare, this sort of flies in the face of it, excuse the pun, but then I also think, well, the player is his own sort of destiny. Well, that's right, mate. And I suppose when it's the sort of injury that it is, you know, we're talking about a facial injury here. We're not talking about you know, a, a, a knee ligament tear or, or an Achilles tear or anything like that, a hamstring that is absolutely going to prevent you from playing. I mean, when it comes to a, a competitor and a, and a champion like Antoine Dupont, when you're playing in a Rugby World Cup on, on home soil, you're not going to get this opportunity again. I'm sure he will do absolutely anything he can to make sure he's out there leading this team. But 
I'm with you, mate. In this day and age of, of player welfare, how is it that a medical professional has cleared him to play in a contact sport like rugby union um, in, in such a manner? And, and the speed of the turnaround, like I, I mentioned, it's less than three weeks since he suffered this injury and, and underwent surgery. I, I, I beg his belief, but look, it's happened. And I don't know, perhaps we shouldn't be surprised given what's at stake for the hosts. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Andrew Gordy is with us. This is the Bulletin. We're keeping him from his desserts. We won't keep him too much longer. Uh, you've been on the ground 48 hours in Paris. Now, I found Paris really interesting when I was there at the start of the tournament. I didn't, it didn't feel like the World Cup was on until I got to the likes of Lyon and especially Toulouse. Uh, is it different to you? Now, now we're on the, the cusp of a quarterfinal. France are involved. Is Paris catching up? No. Yeah, look, Dan, I've got to agree with you, mate. I've got to agree with you. And I've actually been speaking to, to Ollie and, and Warren, my, my, our cameraman, I suppose, about this because they've been obviously touring around. And they've also noticed that, that the, the World Cup presence was definitely stronger in places like Lyon, in places like Toulouse. Obviously, Paris is a big city, right? It's a massive city. And, and not everyone in Paris is going to be infected with World Cup fever. But certainly, it's inevitable, isn't it? As we get closer to the business end of this competition, and I suppose it will also depend on how long the host nation remains in this tournament as well, um, that the, the hype will continue to build. But no, certainly, when you're going around, you you see the signs, you can sit, you know, you go past the fan zone, you see the signage, you see, you know, the face of Antoine Dupont um, pretty much everywhere. In fact, I'm looking at his face right now. Um, so it is certainly there, and that hype is starting to build for sure. Do you give them much chance to get past South Africa? I think without DuPont, it might be a step too far. Even with DuPont, I just think that South Africa, they've got that edge, haven't they? They're, they're such a physical and, and, and imposing team. Um, and I just sense that even though they fell to, to the Irish, I, I just think they've got that World Cup pedigree, Dan. You know what I mean? And, mm. and look, yeah. I mean, look, the French obviously knocked off the All Blacks as well. It's going to be a fascinating encounter one way or the other. And, it, and I know uh, I'm not the first person to say this, but it is desperately sad that two out of Ireland, the All Blacks, France and South Africa are going to be knocked out of this tournament after this weekend. It's, it's desperately sad and it's, and it's all sorts of wrong from World Rugby's perspective. How can they be happy with that scenario? Um, but that's, that's what we're facing up to here. Two, two fascinating quarterfinals uh, coming up, that's for sure. And you can say in Paris, because the All Blacks in Ireland are coming to you, what a game that is going to be. I, I'm just... I just I think I've gone through a lot of emotions right now. I'm just so excited to see two teams who play the game in an enterprising way go at it. Yeah, look, when it comes to Ireland and the All Blacks, Dan, look, it really is such a fascinating and unique scenario. Look, purely just from, from New Zealand and the All Blacks' perspective, the All Blacks have never entered, ever entered, not even come close to entering a, a World Cup quarterfinal as underdogs. But they do here, and, and quite rightly they do here, not just because of the recent history between the two sides, but also just the way that Ireland have been playing. They, the, the way that they put away South Africa earlier in this tournament was just so clinical and and so uh, just so deeply impressive, I think, um, that they could put in a performance like that, a complete performance both on, on both sides of the ball, obviously, defence and attack. Um, they really did get the job done. And, you know, you look across their team and, and they don't look like a team of superstars, but they are a superstar team, that's for sure. And I think Andy Farrell deserves an awful lot of credit for that. Um, and there's no question that this all-black side is coming up against a, a, a very imposing and an impressive team. 
uh, this weekend. And it's, it's just going to be fascinating to see whether this All Blacks team can rise to the occasion and whether they can find another level, another gear. Do they have something up their sleeve? Because on the face of it, it is hard to say with any confidence that this All Blacks team is going to win, is going to be able to put together a performance that's going to be good enough to knock over an Irish team that just seems so complete at the moment. But that's what's fascinating about this task. That's what's fascinating about this whole occasion as, as well for Ireland. You know, there will inevitably be, unless unless they blitz the first half and they put the All Blacks to bed and, and stun us all, there is going to be a moment or a period of time in this game where you just know that the Irish pressure is going to tell. Because it's going to be about 60,000 fans in that stadium who have come here because they hope and they sense that they might witness something special, that they will knock off not just the All Blacks, but get past the semi-final and win a World Cup. Now, if we're at the 60-minute mark and this match is close, and then you can have players like Dane Coles, Sam Whitelock coming onto the field, they're going to be chirping away, and they are just going to start turning up the dial and putting the pressure on this Irish team just to see whether they've got what it takes, to see whether they've got the metal um, to, to back up what they've produced over the last, what is it, 17 test matches that's taken them to the number one team in the world. There's, there's been plenty of occasions where the number one team in the world in lots of sports have failed to live up to expectations when it comes to a World Cup, and that's what's special about these tournaments, Dan, isn't it? Yeah, you, you bang on. I'll get you out on this one because I fear Olivier Richet is going to do a runner and leave you with the bill. Uh, <laughs> Joe Schmidt, uh, the, 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 Irish, the Irish watching yours through our news hub are like clearly big fans of Joe Schmidt. Clearly. Joe Schmidt. Yeah. Wasn't that fascinating from Keith Earls? Like, yeah. I, I, was, I thought it was really interesting and impressive because when you just read the quote, it sounds very aggressive, but the way he actually delivered the words was not. It was very matter-of-fact. And they quite clearly feel, or at least Keith Earls quite clearly feels, that they have absolutely moved on. And I, and I actually think, if we're being really honest, what he was saying is that Andy Farrell is the one who deserves so much of the credit for what this Irish team has turned into. Now, Joe Schmidt obviously did very well with that Irish team. He advanced them to a, to a point. But look, we saw it four years ago, didn't we? Um, when the All Blacks put on a very, a very complete performance against that Irish team in the quarterfinal uh, in Japan, uh, which was orchestrated, let's not forget, by Ian Foster in a, in a, in a ruthless and clinical attacking display. But quite clearly, over, over the last four years, Andy Farrell has taken this team not just to another level, but to be the very best team in the world, and a team that is setting the benchmark, and, and really, um, they've now got the, the target on their backs um, that the All Blacks will try and hit this weekend. But, yeah, Joe Schmidt, he's obviously got a part to play this weekend for the All Blacks. Um, if they're going to win this match, he has, he has certainly got a role to play, but whether it will be down to any inside knowledge he has, I, I'm not sure, but... He's clearly an excellent coach. He prepares very well. And Aaron Smith made a point today of saying that Joe, Joe prepares immensely. And, you know, if you, if you give him a minute to show you a, show you a clip, one of the clips he's prepared, you better set aside 20 minutes for it because that's the kind of coach he is. So um, he's, he's an excellent coach. He's got a role to play for this All Blacks team. But, yeah, certainly um, it was a clear message, I think, from Keith Earls uh, yesterday that certainly the credit for where this Irish team has got to lies with Andy Farrell and perhaps not with Joe Schmidt. Andrew, you're a hero for taking our call. Thank you so much. Get back to the table. Please give my very best to the uh, New Zealand media pack uh, at the Rugby World Cup. Tell them I miss them, but not really. We miss you, Dan. But, but really. <laughs> but really, we do. We'd love to have you here, but I'll get back to the Bordeaux and the Foie Gras. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Good on you. Andrew Gordy, The Bulletin. Done and dusted for today.